We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Fire as we speak. We're going to start tonight, gentlemen, in the Big Ten. We're talking Ohio State, Illinois. Big matchup in Champaign. And honestly, Illinois kind of flexed its muscles down the stretch. T.O., starting with you, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? Uh, my biggest takeaway is when Illinois is really good, Illinois can be really good. It's just how are those pieces going to fit together? That's been basically the situation all season. Do they really want to play together? Are they good when they play together? They showed that they're good that when they play together. And they're also going up against an Ohio State team, the guys that one of the youngest teams in that league. And we all talk about the Big Ten. It's one of the older conferences of college basketball. Now, Ohio State's one of the younger teams in that league, and it hurts them. They just they make some silly mistakes. Those type of things happen. They are talented, but they need time. Towards the middle of February, you're going to see the best Ohio State. I just wonder if it's going to be a little bit too late. But all in all, good win by Illinois. Yeah, I thought it was a really good win. Uh, you know, this Illinois team has been pretty sporadic. And – when I watch them play, I think they rely too much on the jump shot. And, you know, I look at it and I look at the threes that they've taken. They went five for 28 from the three and they shot uh, basically 18%. And with that, I, th I think that they're living and dying on bad quality shots. And, you know, when I look at this, I don't think they have much size and they go with five out. And so, you know, they're going to have the kind of those streaky games where they come on, they get hot. They look like a really good team, and then all of a sudden they're just going to, you know, kind of, you know, not make shots. You know, obviously they make the three, but still uh, five for 28. I mean, that's a lot of threes when you're shooting 18%. And, you know, they got to get something inside uh, a lot a lot more, but I don't think they have the size, but they are a sporadic team. That was a big win for them. And obviously Ohio State, to me, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, had higher expectations. And, um, you know, like uh, Terrence just said, I, I think it's going to be too late when this Ohio State team really comes comes around. 
You know, Zed Key was somewhat of a question mark headed into this game. He got injured at the end of uh, the game against uh, was it Nebraska, Iowa this weekend, um, was able still to come back and start this game and look just fine. But back to Illinois, you talk about their offense and taking bad shots. You know, Brad Underwood started running his spread offense at the end of non-conference play. And you saw a lot of times when Illinois generated good offense, it came from back cuts. It came from getting ball reversals and it came from not settling for those shots. So how as a team do you stay disciplined enough to mix up still trying to play fast, but still staying patient in your half court set where you can get those good shots to you? Well, it, really, it comes down to how Terrence Shannon is feeling. I think that's a big thing. Whenever they lost to Indiana, there was a lot of step backs, a lot of tough threes. And we talked about a, a, a team that we're going to address later as being a, a team that takes more contested shots than anybody. Illinois is right there with them whenever they have some of those days. And, and Terrence Shannon is kind of the culprit of that. Against Indiana, they weren't moving the basketball. I, I can promise you. I can promise you Brad Underwood was all over that. They moved the ball from side to side, and then they get some inside presence from my man Dane Danger every now and then. They just danger have zone. to get it to him every now and then. The big fella, the danger zone, whatever you want to call it. Danger him. zone. Every now and then, he's got to give you something. And he was able to score a couple times. Didn't play much, struggled with some foul trouble, but you got to have some inside presence. If you don't have that, you at least got to get some rim pressure. And whenever that ball's not swinging from side to side, it's harder to attack closeouts. And that's when it, where Illinois has struggled at times this season. Yeah, for me, you know, when I look at it, I, I think it's uh, trying to get easy buckets. And I think whenever you can get layups and easy buckets, I think then it's really going to open things up for you, uh, especially for shooters. And getting quality shots uh, is a big deal, uh, but I'm a big believer in also pushing the ball and playing with a lot of pace. And then sometimes that requires you uh, defensively to get out there and force some turnovers, which is going to translate to easy buckets. And then you're going to get your confidence up and your team's going to be rolling. But I remember when I was watching Illinois, I was watching them uh, when they played Mizzou and Mizzou just steamrolled them in uh, St. Louis. And I thought this team, I was like, man, I can't believe the hype around Illinois. And then I watch them tonight, and it's just like they flipped a switch. I it's uh it's unlike anything I've seen, but uh, yeah, they had it rolling. You know, one player who I have really enjoyed watching, I thought shine tonight was Coleman Hawkins. He had 11 points, nine rebounds, six assists. He's already had a triple double this year, but his versatility to me is so impressive because he's 6'10. He can play down in the post with his back to the basket. He can face up and take you off the dribble, but he can handle that thing like a freaking point guard I was watching him and so impressed with how he was taking it from the elbow and able to make his move handling the ball into the paint what do you need to see from Coleman Hawkins from the standpoint of does he have to go out and get nearly a triple double every game for Illinois to be successful or can he have some more casual nights for them go ahead T well for me um 6'10", when I see this kid, I would have to – I would put a lot of money saying he's not quite 6'10", when I see him play. But I, I would also say that, you know, you can't be – you can't ask a guy to be Superman to win. Uh, you know, I think within the flow of the game, uh, you know, when I'm looking at the stat scores, he went one for six. Uh, kind of like, you know, I'm talking about the easy buckets are huge, but also the six assists, that is big time. When you get somebody that has six assists, just I don't care if it's from the point guard, uh, but a forward – uh, that's big time. So, you know, just sharing the ball and also three blocks, that's big. Uh, anytime you have a rim protector like that, uh, you know, that translates not only to, uh, you know, keeping uh, points uh, off the 
or, or off the scoreboard for the other team, but also that's energy and that gets your team motivated. Uh, so, you know, it looked like they had good chemistry tonight as well. When I watched them play, uh, guys were high five. And so, you know, guys feed off of that. So yeah, Hawkins, when I say, you know, he brings things, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily rely on scoring so much and affects the game in a positive way without scoring. I think that makes a huge difference for him. His ability to rebound the ball and then able to start the break, Illinois is just able to play faster to you. Yeah, they, they are. But here's the thing I need from Coleman Hawkins more than anything. And Hummel kind of makes a joke like, yeah, he does it against directional schools. Like Northwestern, <laughs> Eastern Illinois, like things like that. Like, and there's something to be said there. Consistency. That's what you need from Coleman Hawkins more than anything, because you don't know what you're going to get on a night to night basis. And he's a guy that thrives out on the perimeter whenever he can make decisions, but he, he just hasn't always been there. You look at their win at Minnesota. Now it was at Minnesota, Minnesota struggling. He only played 17 minutes. He ends up with three points, Michigan state. They win. He scores nine points. Like what are you going to expect from a night-to-night basis? He has the most pro potential of anybody on that roster. You know, listed at 6'10". I'm just going to say listed, Tyler, because you've already you've already questioned his actual height. So You think he's 6'9 or 6'8"? What are you thinking? I haven't seen him in person. I'm just going off uh, the eye test. If I had to get, like, true, true, I would say maybe 6'8". What, what do you think, T.O.? I'll give him 6'8". 6'8", 6'9". But he's long. He's bouncy. I mean, like, he does so many Cut things. Cut the hair a little bit to give him an inch. Yeah, so give him 6'10". I'll give him 6'10", just for the sake of the argument. So 6'10", can do a lot of different things. I thought he was going to be utilized at that elbow action and some of that spread that you referred to, Megan. But I just need consistent effort from Coleman Hawkins. Like, he he spews potential. Like, that. you look at this guy, all this length, all this athleticism, he's fluid when he handles the ball. If nothing else, you don't have to put up a triple-double every day. But you need to put up consistent effort in what you're doing. Whenever he's good, Illinois is really good. And tonight was a perfect example of that. So the Illini have now won five of its last six games. Are you convinced that this is a team that can truly compete, maybe not for a Big Ten title, but to finish in the top four in the league? You got you got your Big Ten standings there with you, T? You got your Big Ten standings with you? I, I don't, but I can tell you off the top of my head, uh, if they play like they did tonight, I definitely – and, you know, it's easy to say that, but um, to, like T.O. said, consistency is a big deal for this team. Uh, if they can stop, you know, looking uh, sporadic and going on these, you know, uh, games where they look really good and then have games where they just look like, what? who is this? Like uh, yeah, get consistency, and I think they can be a top five – uh, finished in the top five in the Big Ten, no question in my mind. Yeah, I, I agree with I agree with Tyler. And, and big reason is is the the middle of the Big Ten is a hodgepodge. It's like a chicken pot pie. There's just everything in there. Like you don't know chicken like pot what, pie. yeah, you don't know what you're going to get next. Like there's just so much stuff in there. Is it a pea? Is it a carrot? Is it some chicken? I don't know, but it tastes good. So like here's the thing with uh, <laughs> with the Big Ten. The the thing about Illinois that is intriguing the most is they have Dane Danger who stepped up and he can guard some of these bigger guys. Not Trace Jackson Davis couldn't guard him. The other guys, uh, he, he gives you some serious size, but in my mind, guys, like they're not going to win the big 10, but because of the style in which they play, it's entirely possible that this could be the team from the big 10 that could make one of the bigger runs in the NCAA tournament because of how their roster is constructed. They're big, they're switchable. They can beat you different ways. Offensively Dane Danger's big. You can get a post feed there. You got Terrence Shannon who has hit big shots in the tournament. And you have all these multi-positional guys that you can plug and play. 
That's why I think Illinois, at the end of the year, if they get into the tournament, because God knows what's going to happen, they've been like a boat, like out in the middle of the ocean. Like, it's been tough. It's been up and down. Get my man Underwood some drama, man, because he needs it. Like, it is just, there's so much going on with this team. You get some consistency, you're going to get a really good Illinois team and a really dangerous Illinois team come tournament time because they're more suited to winning the NCAA tournament than the majority of the Big Ten. And that's an excellent point. And you asked about standings, by the way. Uh, Rutgers currently second in the Big Ten standings, especially with their ability to consistently play defense. They rank first in the Big Ten in scoring defense, less than 58 points a game they're letting up right now. And they came out in that second half especially and just dominated Penn State, who, by the way, is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. They shoot at nearly 40% as a team. They hit 11 threes against Nebraska Four for 26 from three against Rutgers. Tyler, what can you say about Rutgers defense and what you've seen from them so far? Yeah, Rutgers is a tough team, and uh, Penn State's also a very good team. I've seen them play a few times now. Uh, they've had to, you know some quality wins, but I will say, to me, uh, Rutgers has athleticism, especially the big. Uh, there's no way I can pronounce his name. Flipamori. Yeah, that guy. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, that guy is he's athletic and he is a problem inside. And I think he he does a really good job of controlling the paint. And I think that is a key for them uh, when he stays out of foul trouble and he's effective and, uh, you know, he's moving. I think uh, Rutgers is, you know, kind of goes as he goes uh, in my mind. Yeah. And, and he provided such an advantage today, like T, like he he was a five-star kid coming out of high school. Like he was a high-level dude. And the, the thing that's most intriguing about him is defensively, he's 6'11, 240. You think he's 6'11? I do. I, I I value, I like did the eye test on that and I thought it kind of correlated to 6'11. Okay. Yeah. So so 6'11. And here's the thing: when they play a smaller Penn State team that can give other teams in the Big Ten some trouble because you know, they, they can pull teams out, especially teams with some, you know, aircraft carriers, the big centers, they pull people out and they open things up, right? Here's the thing uh, about Cliff, Clifford Amorier. He can get out and guard on the perimeter, despite being that size. Yeah. And all the rest of their players, Andre Hyatt's 6'6", Derek Simpson, he's the smallest guy on the roster who really gets significant playing time, 6'3", Cam Spencer, 6'4", 210. He's a big old boy, and he's a big shot maker. I love Cam Spencer. They just have so many lengthy dudes on the perimeter. That's a nightmare matchup for Penn State, who really relies on the three. And whenever you have Jalen Pickett, who's been one of the best players in college basketball, and you can throw so many different bodies on him. Rutgers has arguably three, maybe four of the top 10 defenders in the Big Ten Conference. That is how good they are defensively. And whenever you're able to throw that many different bodies at a guy, it makes it really difficult. Rutgers has three of the top five players in the Big Ten in steals per game. But to that point, when you talk about Penn State, they've struggled this year when they've had to play against a team that has a pretty dominant big um, Zach Eady being one of those teams, but when you're a team like Penn state and you don't necessarily have the experience and size down low, how do you approach guarding teams that have dominant bigs, Tyler? You get out and run them uh, to me. And whenever you're facing size like that, you try to push the ball to get easy layups. And I'm big on easy layups. Uh, it's the highest percentage shot in basketball, uncontested layup. Uh and when I look at the stat sheet right here, four for 26, it was a nightmare from the three-point line for Penn State uh, today. And so that's where they're, where they're really vulnerable. Like you said, these smaller teams, spread them out, shoot them. 
And, uh, you know, they're going to have streaky games, just like Illinois. We talked about this. Uh, but, you know, they struggled with their size. You're right. And uh, they've got to figure out how to push the ball, get easy layups, easy buckets to compete with these teams that have these monsters inside. You know, I, I agree with you. Like, if you can get out and you're smaller and you can run, that's where you need to go. But the unique thing about Rutgers and Randolph compared that – I talked to Randolph Childress the other day, and he compared them to Virginia. And I actually think that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the reason being is because Rutgers' offense matches their defense. And whenever they're walking the ball up the floor, they're going to slow play it. And everybody's going to be – all five guys are going to be there waiting on you. Here's where it is, is it's hard to get out and run against a team that's going to walk it up. Look at teams in the ACC against Virginia, kind of the same thing, right? Like, But I, I'm with you. That's what I would do too. I'd be like, hey, guys, get out, push it, run wide. If we can't get a layup, we'll at least get a three because we shoot it so well. But because Rutgers never really takes a horrible shot at the beginning of the clock, it's hard to get out and run. Right. That's kind of the that's kind of the big issue when you play Rutgers because they're so freaking tough. And they Pikel does just a tremendous job with those guys, even offensively, where let's be honest, guys, outside of a like this isn't a bunch of five star guys. And like it, it's a bunch of guys that defend. They understand their role. They're playing within a system and they're OK with that. And that contributes to the defensive end as well. But they're so controlled and they're able to absolutely dictate pace of play during the entirety of the game. I do want to give a shout out because Paul McKay, he could be my favorite player right now in the big 10, simply because of his ability to control the game. You talked about Rutgers playing like they do offensively, defensively, like on the offensive side of the ball, he's able to just dictate. He's able to dribble drive. He's able to just stay so poised throughout their whole entire offense, forcing teams to defend for 30 seconds, which we all know no one wants to play defense for 30 seconds. And as a result of that patience, I don't want to play defense for five pressure, seconds, high percentage shots. You and me both. That's what I'm saying. Like I didn't want to play defense for five seconds and you didn't have to play defense for five seconds whenever you played North Carolina. Cause they were shooting it within eight seconds. Sorry to interrupt <laughs> you, Megan. I, it was, no. it was right there in front of me. I couldn't help it. Sorry to interrupt you. As you should, as you should. And with that, Hey, let's take a break here. We've got much more coming up on field of 68 after dark with T.O. and Tyler. You're clear. Hey, is anybody watching this uh, Carolina game? An elbow at the very end. I couldn't they tell. A foul. Is he still? Is he knocked out? No. Yeah. So they just—I don't know. It was a flagrant or a technical or what? I just see Bayheim going crazy, which I can't. I think Bayheim's kind of a dick. <laughs> you ever? You ever had any reactions with him? Uh, the flagrant one foul was just called. Uh, I have. I have not. I was supposed to. Uh, it's funny. Like I saw him at ACC Media Day. And, uh, wow, they call a flagrant one on Judah Mintz. So it's going to be – I don't have the volume on. But that's interesting enough. No, but it was – I saw him at ACC Media Day, asked him a question, and he spoke so softly that, like, I almost felt like he was doing it on purpose just to mess you, with everybody. You got to go watch his cameos on the Cameo app. It's hilarious. Are they, are they awesome? Oh, they're, they're – like, it's the worst cameos I've ever seen. It just, like <laughs> – Hey, thank you. I just want to say happy birthday to Jim Bayon. That's it. Five hundred dollars. Thirty seconds. Five hundred dollars. Uh, we're going Oklahoma first, correct, Dagan? Uh, yes, we're going to go into Oklahoma after this. All right, those other two games are almost over. Man, it, RJ took a blow, man. I didn't see it. Ten seconds. All right, so we're going Oklahoma next. Is that what you said? 
Oklahoma. Big 12 Four, block. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the field of 68 After Dark, powered by Bet Rivers. Terrence Oglesby, Tyler Hansbro, Megan McEwen with you here tonight. Gentlemen, we move on to the Big 12, the best conference in college basketball. Some fantastic matchups tonight. We're going to start Oklahoma TCU. OU comes into this game leading the Big 12 and shooting percentage nearly 49% from the field as a team. Uh, Newsflash, they did not shoot very well tonight at all uh, from the floor. 31% as a team. T.O., what did you take away from TCU's defense? You know what? The, the dangerous thing about TCU is if they are getting stops, they're the fastest team. I, I, I said this the other day, uh, Megan. I said, it, Tyler, Mike Miles is the fastest guy I've seen with the basketball since Ty Lawson. Wow. Like, and that's saying a lot. And I, I don't know how you kept up with the guy, T, but, like, he was one of the fastest guys I've ever seen. Like, we tried to press. You could forget it. Ty was gone. Mm -mm. And that, that's when Wayne would get all those because he just had to go down there and wait in the corner. <laughs> and then Wayne Ellington would have like 35 against us every time because he was just down there just catch and shoot. It was easy for him. Uh, no, but it's a TCU team that they have weapons, guys. But it, when they're guarding, I mean, Milos Uzan, who was a big-time player uh, coming out of high school, big-time freshman, he goes one of ten. Grant Sherfield, who's been one of the biggest surprises in the Big 12, he goes two for 11 for five points, and he's been a significant contributor for them uh, all season long. It, I mean, I, I want to say he's up at around 16, 17 points a game. He's been that good for the Sooners team. But whenever he's not on, you can forget about it. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of athleticism on that Sooners roster. And whenever you're playing a team like TCU, who can get out and run that fast, and they have multiple ball handlers and guys who can initiate the break, that's when they're extremely dangerous. And North Carolina's up three with a huge free throw. <laughs> and his attention shifts there. But to that Well, point, you're on delay. I'm on Sorry. delay. Okay, gotcha. I am on delay. Oh, he's on Go delay. Go ahead, T. Yeah, TCU to me is is one of the hottest teams in college right now. They just went into Fog Allen, uh, just stomped on uh, Kansas. They're rolling, and like T.O. said, they're they're the fastest team in college basketball. Uh, and they get out, they run, they're fun to watch, and uh, they've been to me. They've kind of been flying under the radar because I think the Big Twelve is so loaded and such a gauntlet that uh, you know they. They're going to catch some L's, but right now they're rolling and they're getting some good wins. So, uh, yeah, it's just Oklahoma couldn't keep up with their athleticism. Talk about big wins. They beat Kansas State. They beat Kansas on the road, and they just beat Oklahoma. So for them to pull away with three of the last four wins is massive just to build some momentum. And especially in the Big 12, like how – we talk about how important it is to peak, not necessarily in December. You want to make sure you're starting to peak February into March. Where do you see TCU right now in regards to their status in the Big 12 conference standings? Sweet Lord, who knows? Like that conference, I mean, it's what the ACC used to be. Like it is every night that there's something happening. And there's only 10, there was, there are only 10 teams. So you only get 18 conference games and they're not easy. I mean, even, you know, you look at the bottom of that conference, Texas Tech is 0-7. Who would have thunk it mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season that that would have been the case? West Virginia is coached by Bob Huggins that was just inducted in the Hall of Fame. Who would have thought they would be 1-6? So, like, it's, it's tough to predict where they're going to be, especially in this league. But at the same time, why wouldn't you pick them towards the top? Because what wins more than anything else in college basketball? Guard play, right? 
And like, if you have strong guards and guys that can create for themselves and guys that can create in the half court, you're going to give yourself a chance as long as you defend. When TCU does defend and they're fully capable, they're the number 10 defense in the country. Like when they defend, like, I, I don't know how you beat them. That being said, when Baylor's guards play well, I don't know how you beat him. When Kansas' Jalen Wilson goes nuts, I don't know how you beat Kansas. Like, it, it's it's something every day. I realize Kansas is on a skid before the entire chat comes at me. I get it. But they're the top six of that Big 12 conference, I mean, you could finish one to six. You're going to the tournament. You could just as easily make an Elite Eight. Like, that's how good that league is. Yeah, I'm with you on this. I think TCU, I, I think they could, especially now that uh, Kansas, uh, who I thought would – you know, kind of win the big – I thought – I predicted them to win the Big 12. And, you know, they've taken three losses in a row. I think TCU could be a team that slides in there and, you know, give it – you know, give the the Big 12 a run and maybe come out uh, on top. But uh, it's so it's so tough to predict right now. And, uh, Megan, you are right. You want to play your best basketball um, late March, uh, you know, early April. That's when you get the championship. But uh, – you know, are they peaking right now? That's a good question. I, you know, I don't know about that. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how disciplined they are and, you know, defensively if they bring it, uh, you know, in, in the coming months. You know, it's wild as you take a look at the big 12 standings, you have five different teams that are at least five and three or better at this point. You look in the big 10 standings as T.O. pointed out, and it's chicken pot pie. You have like nine teams that are three and four, but you take a look here, it just goes to show you day in and day out how strong that conference is. Um, when you take a look, one more thing to wrap up about this Oklahoma team, only one player scored in double figures tonight for them. What else can this Oklahoma team do when they simply can't get that scoring going? Is it something where they can just look to get better shots? Do they have to lock down the defense side of the ball? Like, how do you bring that energy? Well, if they're knocking, not knocking down shots, obviously you got to be effective on the boards. You got to go and rebound. Uh, you got to make up for it somewhere else. And defensively, uh, can't give up 79. Uh, so obviously you got to make up for it somewhere. And, uh, you know, TCU gets out and run and run. So uh, they're kind of vulnerable tonight, especially uh, against an athletic running team, which uh, it's tough for Oklahoma to really compete with in a track meet. So I would say if I was Oklahoma, uh, I would try to slow it down and take quality shots and try to take the other team, uh, especially like a TCU, out of the running game uh, to begin with. Yeah, that's it. I, I'd slow it down, try to get Grant Sherfield, maybe let him let go of the ball and become, you know, he brings the ball up a good majority of the time for them. They had multiple, multiple ball handlers on the floor when they brought Uzan and put Uzan or Uzan into the starting lineup. And that was partially, obviously, to protect him. I think that's the big thing. But Sherfield, he means so much to that team. I mean, guys, he's shooting 42% from three. He's already uh, made 47 of them. Like, he, he is, his back hurts. Like, he is carrying the Sooners to wins. And it, you have to find ways for him to be effective. That's the hard part about this, especially when you're getting pressured up and down. Slow the game down. Let Tanner Groves make some decisions. I think that's a huge part as well because he can facilitate from the perimeter. Pass to him. Let him be your settle-down guy. But when you're facing pressure like TCU pressures, you got to have an outlet. And Grant Sherfield can't be the outlet and the score. That's really difficult to do. Not many people could do that. Iowa State, Kansas State, the battle for first place in Big 12 standings, just win final. 
80-76, Iowa State wins it. Gentlemen, your instant reaction from what was a really tight game for the most part down the stretch to you? Hilton Magic, baby. It's a hard place to play. I went to one game when Prom had it rolling there up at uh, up at Iowa State. It's a heck of a place. It's freezing cold. They want to be inside, and they want to cheer for stuff. And so what happens? Cyclones, they get a win. And Otzelberger, you got to put him up there as far as – Big 12 coach of the year, him and Jerome Tang, they got to be up there. They got to be up there. National coach of the year, both of those guys got to be up there. Also, he's doing all this without surefire offense on a night-to-night basis. And it's just because defensively, that team locks down. And Gabe Kalshier, he's not overly efficient, but when he is and he's scoring, they can beat anybody. Iowa State scored 80 points tonight. That doesn't happen all that much. And the fact that they were able to do that at home against the Kansas State team, who in my mind is the biggest surprise in college basketball, one of the best stories with Keontae Johnson in college basketball, they were ready to play. Kansas State's went from, and Tyler can attest to this, being, being the hunter to now being the hunted. You get that top five ranking, it's a lot different from a night to night, especially on the road. Kansas State's getting their first taste of that. Yeah, I'm with you, T.O. It's a totally different perspective uh, whenever you're the top dog and the team start uh, targeting you. Uh, but, you know, this is a big win for Iowa State. You know, Kansas State is rolling, and uh, Marcus Noel is probably one of my favorite players in college to watch. Uh, he can do everything. I mean, he gets out and competes. Uh, I love his game, and, you know, I, I found myself kind of pulling for Kansas State tonight regardless uh, I had no fight in the dog. I mean, I had no – there was no reason to pull for Kansas State besides the fact that I like Marcus Noel. I love the way he plays. Uh, but, you know, the, they are the biggest surprise in basketball. And uh, Tang deserves a lot of credit, uh, and I agree with you. He could be coach of the year, national coach of the year, as well could Brad Brunel. Uh, and I think he deserves a lot of credit uh, as well. But – uh, yeah, this was a big win for Iowa State. And, uh, you know, obviously everybody was happy to get out of the cold, like T.O. said, and uh, get a good dub. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, uh, they're the top dog now. Want to welcome in our SiriusXM Channel 84 listeners into Field of 68 After Dark. Terrence Oglesby, Tyler Hansborough, Megan McEwen with you, breaking down the finale to the Iowa State-Kansas State matchup, an 80-76 win for the Cyclones. And, gentlemen, we talk about how good Iowa State's offense was tonight, but defensively, this is one of the top teams when you're talking about scoring defense in the Big 12. Tia, what has made their defense so consistent and good? They're tough. They're tough. They force turnovers like crazy. They're number one in the country in forcing turnovers. And whenever you struggle offensively at times, what's the best way to get some things going? Create some live ball turnovers. They're creating turnovers at a 28% clip per possession or possessions. 28% of the other team's possession is up in a turnover. They can get out and run. That's a good thing. If you're a TJ Altsenberger and you don't have surefire dudes that can score in a half court, they do have guys that can score in a half court. I'm not saying they're completely busted, but they're 68th in the country in offense, number seven in defense. You create turnovers, you can score easier. That's a big thing. But it, they're, they're so connected as a unit. They're not going to rush into things. They're rotating a little bit early just to make sure the ball doesn't beat them. That's a big thing. If the ball doesn't beat them or the ball – we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You get what I'm saying? The guy who's guarding the ball, if he gets beat, there's somebody behind. This is my third show in like three days. I'm tired. I'm here for it, though. I'm bringing the energy. The help side is there. Heads are falling off. Damn it. (laughs) Damn it. They're connected as a unit defensively. I'll back you up on your point, though, T.O., because to that point tonight, Kansas State with 14 turnovers, Iowa State 25 points off those turnovers, and that's a huge margin when you take into account a tight game conference game wise right Tyler yeah sometimes your best offense is your defense and uh that's kind of an old school method you get out for some turnovers like I said and get some easy buckets uh but also I got to give the bigs for Iowa State credit they're athletic and they they guard the rim uh uh pretty well and they made a lot of shots tough and I think uh you know when I was watching the game um Marks Noel, he was struggling a little bit to begin with. And a lot of that had to do with a lot of shots that they were taking were being contested. And also uh, the bigs made it difficult. I mean, they weren't getting much at the rim. Uh, so I got to give them credit as well. So, yeah, you do. I mean, Iowa State's defense was kind of on a string. It seemed like their rotations were kind of set in place and they knew uh, when the ball was swinging. They just had it going tonight defensively. They're all connected. That was so much more eloquent than what I said. That was so much better than what I said. I think that's worth mentioning. Another thing is in the half court, I I think Jaron Holmes, the St. Bonaventure transfer, he's been a a welcome addition. Caleb Grills hitting shots, sure, but Holmes can kind of create things on occasion for you. He hasn't been overly efficient, but he's been a good piece uh, to add to the pot there. Uh, And it's, it's in Ames, right? Yes. I need to get my, yeah, I need yes. to get, I need well, to get my uh, Iowa geography down. You got, we'll get you a map in the break. We're going to throw to break right now. We'll be back with much more big 12 ACC SEC action coming your way on field of 68 after dark. Go clear. Uh, yeah, we'll get you a map to you with uh, Ames, Iowa. It's six hours from Chicago. Like it's in the middle of the state. I am, I am a disaster. <laughs> i lived in iowa i played in the g league in iowa oh, that's man. part of the reason i don't like it dude it was minus 50 degrees and windy is all oh so very, cold very flat there very flat i man, just got we, off the plane there recently yeah we really got well, fucked like, with the like i said names. the only thing the only good thing about iowa was that the bigs like these fucking names for these bigs the past two games have been impossible to pronounce Osun, Osuni, I think that's right. Hey, Dagan. tough one. Got any yeah. questions for us in the we, chat? We do, we do. Talking Big 12, so I want to keep it in the Big 12. I forget who asked this question off the top of my head, but they did ask, uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Kansas right now? Obviously, lost three in a row. 
you know what? Tyler made a good point. You want to make your runs in, in March and April. And for Kansas, who was, oh gosh, what were they, 16 and one or something? Now they've lost three in a row. Like, this is the time to take 30 your seconds. Lull. This is the time to take your lull and then start playing better as you get to Big 12 tournament time. Am I right there? Well, I think Kansas is missing a big two. Uh, KJ Adams is is really athletic, but he's not a center. I mean, he's, I mean, he's, I think they're missing it. And I'm really looking forward to the matchup with him and Tashibwe coming up this weekend. I think that's going to be seconds. a really good game. They're also young. Four, three, two. Welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark, powered by Bet Rivers on Sirius XM Channel 84. Terrence Oglesby, Tyler Hansborough, Megan McEwen with you. Gentlemen, we've talked about the Big 12. We talked about the Big 10. But we've got a big story tonight because Georgetown picked up its first Big East win of the season. First Power 5 win in a very long time, beating Nepal 81-76. Tyler, I don't even know how to phrase this. Just how big is this for the Hoyas to finally get that monkey off their back? Well, they're trying to – I can't even say build a tournament resume. Uh, you know, they're – I, I – <laughs> I really like uh, Patrick Ewing, and I played for him in Charlotte. And I know he works hard, so I'm glad to see him get a, a, a dub. I know he's been taking a lot of heat, and uh, you know it's good for the, it's good for them, also good for their kids. Uh, the fact that they've lost so many games in a row and to still still stay on task and stay committed, uh, they could have easily packed it in and just called it a season, no showed every game out from here on out. But they they came out and got a win, so I, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for the kids too. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Like Georgetown hadn't won a conference game since before I got into media. Like that's a serious, that's a serious thing. Like it was, it's been almost two years guys. Like I didn't even get into media until the beginning of last year. Like that, that was the first time, like really like diving all the way into it. And Pat Ewing, I never saw him get a win. This is big though for, for him more than anything, because the poor guy, like you could just see the stress on his face. And his kids are battling and they've been bad. They've had some close ones. They played Villanova really close the other day. They played DePaul close at DePaul earlier this season. There have been some opportunities, but inside the last four minutes, like, I don't know what it has been about this Georgetown team, but they, their percentages have gone through the floor. And that's when you need your good players to be really good. That's when Brandon Murray needs to be good. That's when Primo Spears needs to be good. And finally, thank God. And, and I like Pat. I, I don't know Pat as well as you do, Tyler, but I, I just ran into him in the Bahamas and tried to put Icy Hot on his knees. <laughs> but, like, that's the only time that I've ever really interacted with Pat more than five minutes. And Talk I, about I, out of context, by the way. Yeah, out of, well, first of all, I told that story at Big East Media Day, and I feel a little awkward bringing it back up now, but that's not what we're going to talk about. I tried to put Icy Hot on my man's knees in the middle of a club in the Bahamas when I was on vacation with the boys and we weren't drinking coffee like Megan is. So let's, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. But it, for me, like Pat's always been good to me. I'm happy that that is finally there. They've had the talent. It's a much better talent pool this year than it was last year. And I mean, guys, good for them. Good for the kids. The kids are still playing hard. That's the crazy part about it. Like to reference what Tyler's saying, like the kids have still been playing hard and really been gutting it out. It's just they haven't been able to make it work. Kudos to them. Uh, I'm happy for Pat. I'm happy for that entire team, especially the players more than anything. And it was a home win, too, which was great that they were able to do that in front of their fans. 
Mm-hmm. So a, a positive light today for the Georgetown Hoyas. Uh, let's switch gears here because we have two of the ACC's finest in the house. No more, no more Georgetown. And we're going to move on from Georgetown. We okay. we gave them their flowers. It's it's time to keep this bus moving forward. And we're going to talk about the Tar Heels and the game just went final 72-68 win over Syracuse in the Dome. Uh, this one, you know, close, but still manageable for the Tar Heels. Tyler, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? First of all, for me, I've always said this. Uh, we struggle on the road. The Tar Heels, UNC hasn't done well on the road. Uh, we've played very comfortable and we play very good at home, but taking the show on the road and has been an issue. And I thought um, before the season started, we have a good core coming back uh, and a lot of solid guys coming back. And I thought this team would have been, you know, a more veteran team in college and they would have been able to go and get some victories in some of these places that are tough to play, and especially in the ACC. Any conference road win is tough. And tonight, what I take away is, first of all, Pete Nance had a big night, 21 points, uh, and, uh, you know, 6 or 17, that's a lot of shots. But anyways, you know, that traditional zone, uh, they put two bigs, and the way I saw it is I thought him and Baycott, uh, I thought Pete did a really good job around that free throw line area where they kind of just threw him the ball, and then he can face up and opens up the whole floor. You had the shooters. And then I think the I thought the high-low action with him and Baycott uh, was key tonight. But for me also, we had some bench minutes. Uh, I thought Tyler Nickel came in there, played, and uh, Jalen Washington got some minutes, which to me, uh, depth has been an issue for UNC. And if we can get some of these young guys acclimated and then maybe get their confidence up and we can rely a little bit more on our bench, I think that's going to be key for Carolina, especially uh, if they're going to make a deep tournament run because these guys coming off last year, Caleb, RJ, all these guys are playing these heavy minutes and uh, we weren't really utilizing the bench that much. And I think it played a factor late. So to me, Getting these young guys into this game and getting them some minutes was huge, but also getting this win, uh, you know, against Syracuse on the road was big for them. Uh, can I ask you this, Tyler? What do you think about Seth Trimble? Because I thought last season, whenever Carolina made the run, it was when Brady Manick took ownership, and not just yeah. take out, not just take ownership, but he was a guy that was on the floor that would just catch it and move it right away. Like, the one right thing, away. the one thing I like about Seth Trimble, first of all. Uh, I like Seth Trimble a lot. And the reason I like him is because he affects the game in a way from a competitive nature where he gets out and he plays hardcore defense. He gets out and makes the right plays. And he doesn't necessarily put so much emphasis on scoring. And I think when you have a player that doesn't live or die by how many points they score, they just want to go out there and compete. I think that's something that he's really bringing to this team. Obviously, uh, you know, losing Brady Manick, we're realizing how uh, important that piece was, not only from like the leadership, the competitive nature and everything that he brought to the Tar Heels. I, I felt like that was contagious and the team kind of fed off that last year. Uh, not to mention, he really opened up the court for Baycott as well. He could knock mm-hmm. down the outside shot. And I think he played really well uh, uh, and they worked really well. It really helped Baycott too. But for me, this team... Uh, I've said it before, and before this game, R.J. Davis had scored 10-plus points in every game except for the game against Citadel, and tonight he had nine, but R.J. Davis had been playing unbelievable, 
And I said he was the biggest X factor in the country. And if UNC wants to make a deep tournament run uh, again and meet these expectations, uh, I think it's going to come heavily rely on how well R.J. Davis is playing. Uh, And I think he's going to be the X factor, uh, you know, come late in the season. Well, he was concussed. He was concussed at the end of that game. Sorry. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I hope he's all right. Yeah, I hope he's okay. On that note, we talk about Caleb Love, and it felt like in the beginning of the season, he was just so inefficient, just took any any shot and any shot. But tonight, you know, four for seven from the field, 15 points for him. How important is it that he's finding more efficiency and more so waiting for the game to come to him? I think that's an understatement. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, the problem I have is I just feel like, you know, guys are living so much on how many points they have. And I, and I don't think we should contend Caleb because Caleb's a type of player that feeds off of energy. And as a Carolina fan, you know, we've all been there. We're like, he makes a step back three contested, just drains it. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he misses a few. Yeah, and then he misses a few, and then now we're all like, what are you doing, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he he really does a good job of blocking it out from what I can tell. Uh, but for Caleb Love to be efficient, uh, it would be big for this team as well. But uh, also, uh, he can impact the game in so many different ways. He's athletic to get out and play great defense and uh, control the game from that aspect. Even if he's not scoring – I think he can find ways to be beneficial. And to me, scoring is just such a small part of the game uh, because there's so many different ways. If you make a hard cut, you make, you move without the basketball in the right way. It's going to open up the court for everybody. UNC also, had 20 assists tonight too, by the way. And a lot of that may be because of the way the zones is. So you have to pass the ball more. You're shifting it, trying to shift the zone. There was great high-low action to Baycott down low when they were able to finally shift the zone. But where, when, when they're playing like that, though, and sharing the ball, how dangerous can this team be? Well, I was at the NC State game at the Dean Dome, and it was late in the first half, and they had one assist. And I always keep up with how many assists they have because that's to me, has been a critical part and, like, a key indicator of how well this team is playing. I think the more assists we get shows that we're sharing the ball, we're not being selfish. And when we have high assists, this team is – almost unbeatable and the other thing is I was telling my friends like man if we go a game and we have two assists it's going to be unbelievable and if we win we're up I couldn't believe it but you're right uh 20 assists for this team is great and uh the more assists uh this team has I think it's just going to show more success do you think playing against a 2-3 zone in a game where love hasn't been efficient over the last four or five games that kind of helped him get into rhythm and that could help affect him moving forward in the next few I think maybe scheme had a little bit to do with it because you know you're playing against the zone, so you're going to work on that. and You know you're going to move without the ball, so maybe there was some emphasis on that. Uh, but I can't really pinpoint it. You know, I, I think, you know, as a college kid, sometimes mentally it's tough. Uh, you put too much pressure on yourself. So I think that could play a little bit. But also, you know, sometimes these shots that he makes – they're, they're not high percentage shots. I mean, they're tough shots. So uh, it's not like I would expect him to be a, a guy that comes out and, you know, shoots an impressive percentage from some of these shots that he takes. We've got ACC talk still coming up. we got SEC talk coming up on a loader night of college hoops right here on Field of 68 After Dark. We'll catch you in a few. You're clear.
Hey, T, we talk Carolina. I'm getting out of your way, baby. ISO situation. Yeah, it's great hearing I you. I love yeah. that. Dude, I love hearing you talk about the Tar Heels, man. Man, I just – I follow them a lot, and it's – I know I can talk about it, so I'm just trying to carry my weight. Yeah. Hey, Dave, you got I, any questions for us? Uh, I am going back and looking at one. I want. I wanted. To, I saw one again. I can't remember who it's from. It was early in the chat. But um, buying or selling these teams in, in the tournament. I know Kentucky was one. I know we're talking about them coming up. So, your thoughts on the Wildcats uh, come March? You want to buy low, right? I mean, I bought what two weeks ago. <laughs> I'm selling big... Kentucky, hundred percent. Well, I mean, they have no no shooters. They're scrambling to find a lineup that works. Cal's done an awful job coaching this year. I don't see him as a tournament team. Let's go. Let's go. Let's light the world on fire, Hansboro. I like it. Let's go. We should have saved that. We should have saved that sauce for the show. We should have saved that It's on YouTube. We're still live on YouTube. I know. YouTube heard it, but should have had that on XM too, baby. Should have had that on XM. 30 seconds. No, I hey, look, here's my thing. I, I think they found something whenever Severe's coming off the bench. And, you know, they're not a great shooting team. But, it, mm-hmm. y- you know what, at the same time, like having those bigger bodies out there defensively, having all those guys, I, I, I'm buying. I'm going the other direction because I, I think they found something with Severe being an energy guy off the bench. Ten seconds. As opposed to somebody. Don't tell me what to do, Kono. Don't tell me what to do. Sorry. I agree with you. Sorry I just like that. the Kentucky Heat fans. Here we go. Me. Three, two, <laughs> Welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark, powered by Bet Rivers on Sirius XM Channel 84. Terrence Oglesby, Tyler Hansbro, Megan McEwen with you, talking a little more ACC with the ACC's finest. And let's switch gears and talk about T.O.'s Clemson Tigers coming off a 72-51 win over Georgia Tech. I mean, T.O., this team's rolling right now. We're good. We're good. good. 9-1 in conference play. Like, talk to me. Like, here's the thing, too. They, they've had some guys really step up in a leadership perspective, like Hunter Tyson's uh, psycho T's age. Like, so that's a, that's a big thing, too. Like, they've had guys in that system for a long time. Guys don't leave, typically. Typically, guys don't leave. Uh, Hunter Tyson in his fifth year has been awesome. He's improved every year. He's averaging a double-double, at least coming into tonight. He's averaging a double-double. But he struggled with some foul trouble today and still ended up with 12-8. and eight. Like, he's been that guy. P.J. Hall, in my opinion – He's up there with Armando Baycott as the top. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Top two, you know, five men in the conference. I, I think he's that good. He, he has that much ability. Uh, you talk about a couple of other guys that are starting to contribute, though. Chauncey Wiggins is a guy coming in. I think he was 6'10", a buck 60. And now he's put on some weight. He's, put, he's done some different things. He's shooting the ball really well. He's garnering some confidence. And Brad Brownell loves his freshman. Like, they're going to be able to keep things going as long as they keep guys in the fold. And keep in mind, Georgia Tech, I realize they're struggling. They're one and nine in league. There's not a ton, there's a lot of younger talent on that team that hasn't figured it out. But this Clemson team is without Chase Hunter, who's their best athlete on the team. They're without Alex Hemingway, who's without a doubt their best shooter. That's where it gets really interesting the fact that they have that depth and they're relying on those freshmen and they're still playing well and still able to get wins. I realize it's Georgia Tech but you still got to win these games. And as Tyler said, there's no easy games in conference. I realize there's teams that are towards the bottom, but at the same time, like, you still got to win them. And Clemson's taking care of business. I really like the job that Brad Burnell has done this year. And we, I've talked about it before. Uh, but to me, um, it kind of seemed like he came into this season 
with his coaching job kind of being questioned and he's backed it up and he's come out here and say, no, we're a quality team and no one really expected that. So this is one of the, uh, you know, one of the most unexpected teams this year uh, to come out here and kind of dominate the ACC the way they are. I do really like the PJ Hall kid. I think he's tough. I think he competes and he does a lot of things and he is an issue. Uh, Whenever he plays Carolina, he goes to work. Uh, but I got to give Brad Brunell a lot of credit because this team is blue collar team. I like the way they get out. Uh, they play defense, they scrap for everything, but yeah, Clemson is a, a quality team. And I'm just wondering, I kind of question, is it sustainable? Because when I look at this, I, I look at the team and I think it is sustainable, but it's just so unexpected, uh, from my viewpoint. I'm just like, man, I just, it, it's such a surprise to a lot of people. And I think, the, I best think thing- the step up from Hunter Tyson has been the biggest difference. And I'm sorry to cut you off, Megan. I was just going to throw this in there. They have two quad four losses, and that's at, at South Carolina and against Loyola Chicago. There's no excuse for the Loyola Chicago one. They haven't been great. But at the same time, like the one at South Carolina was too early in the season. They moved some things around because they wanted to play in this Greenville Invitational and South Carolina was going to participate too. They didn't want to play each other at that venue, so they moved it to early in the year. What happened? Uh, Clemson struggled. P.J. Hall wasn't healthy. P.J. Hall is now healthy. Prior to tonight, 22-7 and seven over the past three games. He's now 100% healthy. He's protecting the rim. He's shooting the ball. He's scoring. He's passing. That dude is a problem. I'm a, I can tell you right now, he's a problem. If he's healthy all year, he's a first-team All-ACC guy. Hunter Tyson, because of what he's been relied on to do, has the potential to be a first-team All-ACC guy if it's sustainable for the rest of the year. But the problem is the pitfalls of the ACC right now. Like Florida State's now a quad three. Florida State's now healthy. I know they got smacked tonight by Miami, but now they're healthy, and that's not an easy game to play because they're so big, they're so athletic, they take you out of everything you want to do. Uh, some of these other teams, Syracuse is a tough game. Uh, you saw North Carolina tonight. That that zone will throw you, you know, three sheets to the wind. Like, something will happen. It's just a hard – and is that's not a quality win to where it's still a good team because they struggled in the non-conference. That's where the pitfalls of the ACC are, in my opinion. And I'm going to throw my tongue over my shoulder and go back to you, Megan, because I'm sorry for taking up so much space. Well, no, you know, one thing I feel like you haven't really – talked about or touched on is Brevin Galloway and how well he's played this season. Um, Someone who I think has really just stepped up and and been an anchor for this team. But I think the best thing Clemson has going for it is the fact that they're still kind of flying under the radar in a sense. They cracked the top 25, but this is not a team that people night in and night out are like, hey, let's talk about Clemson. And Mm -hmm. to me, it's good to keep that underdog mentality because it's just going to do good things for you. Don't get too high. You don't get too low. If you're just going into these games expecting to not be the favorite. So I'm curious how long that's going to be good for them down the stretch. Let's switch gears to Kentucky now, gentlemen. SEC play. Wildcats get it done on the road at Vandy, 69-53. Are they back? Tyler selling them, saying no NCAA tournament. It's not an NCAA tournament team. But what can you say from the fact that they've kind of started to piece some wins together here down the stretch, Tyler? Well, obviously, they're going to different lineups. They're trying everything. Uh, and to me, I just, you know, I think that there's such a big hole in their shooting and also their depth. They don't have a lot of depth on this team. Uh, but their shooting has been a struggle all year. And so if they don't have the shooting that opens up the lane, uh, for Toshibwe, 
then I don't think he's going to be able to have the year that we all kind of expected him to have. Now, Toshiba is a great player, and he's going to get a lot of things done. He's going to pull some wins out for him. But I don't think they have the depth or the shooting uh, to make a deep run or to even get a resume at this point to make the tournament if they do go on another cold streak and and lose some uh, some games. The SEC is tough, and uh, just like the ACC – Every game, you can lose any game in the SEC. Uh, so, to me, this weekend is going to be a good indicator because Kansas is coming uh, to town, and I'm looking forward to that matchup. Now, Kansas doesn't have a big, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. But I don't think they have the shooting to have the year that they want. Uh, so, you're selling, and we talked about it in the break. So, you're selling. I couldn't sell fast enough. You couldn't sell fast enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm buying, I'm going the other direction. And the reason being, and I, I love this. I love this. We got to go back and forth a little bit, uh, but Tennessee, that game changed things because severe Wheeler didn't play. So they, they were forced into that lineup because of injury. And then they're like, Oh man, this one works. Oh man, we're bigger around the perimeter. Oh man. There's like, we, we, we do have a little bit more shooting. Now, some of these guys that you're referring to T like we thought CJ Frederick was going to be a 40. He was a 45 to 47% shooter at Iowa. Is that right, Megan? Yeah, like right he, he was up in those, he's in the mid thirties this year. He's struggling to find his rhythm. Antonio Reeves is more score than he is shooter per se. But like at the same time, when Severe's not bringing that ball up the court, you know, CJ Frederick is, or Kaysan Wallace is, they're bringing it up and they're getting rid of it and they're willing to get rid of it. So the ball moves a little bit more. And those guys, while they're not great shooters, some of them, or there's still have, they still have the respect and the gravity to pull defenses out. And that's given Sheboy a little bit more room. So I think that's going to help a lot, uh, at least in Sheboy's production. And then guys like he's a menace on the offensive glass. I, I mean, they're, they're the number three offensive rebounding team in the country. And that's down two spots from yesterday. Like, so like the thing is about this team is they might not, they might have some off shooting nights, but they're going to get a lot of extra opportunities and they're bigger now with these lineups. And then Severe is what he is. He can be that lightning rod, that energy giver that comes off the bench and just mixes things up and gives you a change of pace for 12 to 15. That's why I like this thing. Yeah, and so my question would be, why do you think it took them so long to find out, to find a lineup that works? And my the other thing, my other point would be, the offensive rebounds are going to be there. If you can't shoot well, you're going to have a lot of opportunities. And so that would be my counter argument to, to your offensive rebounding uh, uh, stats that you threw our way. Yeah, you know, the thing is, is, is severe kind of, he held on to the ball a little bit, but now Reeves has been good because the ball's popping and now he can attack closeouts a little bit more. And when, the, when you know, second side offense, you remember in your Carolina break, like, if you can get the post entry right away, that's great. If they can throw it to Sheep right away, that's great. But you, either you or Dion would come up to the high post and you'd swing it. Other side, you'd have some action on the other side. That second side's where you get a lot of your offense. Now the ball's getting to that second side. And now CJ Frederick can shoot the ball and knock down shots on that second side, which he's done at a, at a decent rate. Mm -hmm. He's done it a good rate. I like Antonio, Frederick. Yeah, Frederick's a good player. He's done it at decent 35, 36%. That's good. Mm -hmm. uh, Reeves is right at 39%. He, he should be featured more coming on the second side of the offense. Those guys are really good players and they have that length that's necessary. And then whenever you bring severe off the bench, I'm always big on like a curveball off the bench. I think that's a great thing. A guy that injects something 
right? That's the reason I like Seth Trimble at Carolina because I think he injects that speed, that toughness, that ball mover that sometimes I, those guards at Carolina don't have. I think Severe can be that curveball for Kentucky. And I think CJ and Antonio could be uh, big time shot makers once they find the rhythm and that ball starts moving a little bit more. That's kind of where you can get those guys to play better more consistently. And guys, they are playing better consistently. Four wins in a row. I will say this. Kansas is going to be much better this next game than they were the past three. I felt like the emotional expenditure of the Kansas State game lasted two games after that. So we'll see how that goes. We're going to learn a lot from that game, especially because, look, is Kentucky going to keep this streak going? We don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. When you have a player like Oscar Sheboy, if you can get outside shooting going as well, you become a very tough team to beat. That's going to do it for us on Field of 68 After Dark on Sirius XM Channel 84. Terrence Oglesby, Tyler Hansborough, Megan McEwen. We'll see you on After After Hours on YouTube. Have a fantastic night. And you're clear. Thanks, Kono. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. I was just messing with you. Don't be mad. Not Dang me, it, man. Not some, me. Got some questions for us? Yes. Drop some questions in the chat for us, um, everybody. Drop some questions here. We'll answer them throughout. I have a question for you guys. Um, probably the biggest performance, and I didn't get a chance to talk about it during the show. What do you guys make of Monty Bates tonight? Even though it was in a losing effort, forty-one points for him. Obviously, huge first half. What are your thoughts on uh, on that? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I know Tio's got some thoughts. <laughs> I have thoughts. <laughs> I do have thoughts. T, you got thoughts? Uh, I'll roll with yours. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I, I'm first of all, I, I want to I, I want to cheer for Imani Bates because I feel like he um, I, I, he's been through a lot more than what I think people realize. I mean, when you're anointed the next great thing when you're a sophomore in high school, and then you have to live up to it, and things just don't work out, like it's a lot to bear. And then he had some some preseason issues and all that stuff. Let's put it this way. The dude can score. He can still score. He's never not been able to score. Is he going to be able to do some of the other things? Is ultimately going to, you know, turn his potential. But, man, he is talented on the offensive end. And, guys, he was efficient tonight. I looked at the box score at one point. Eastern Michigan had 31 points. He had, like, 27 and nobody else in the – like, he can carry a team if he gets going offensively. Like, he is really talented. I'm happy for him. I feel like he has a lot of undue pressure. Uh, they are four and, what, 16, Dagan? That that puts a damper on things. And yes. obviously, you'd like to win when you have 42. But, um, you know, it is what it is up there at that point as far as wins and losses are concerned. But kids can, kid can hoop. He can hoop. Cool. We got another one here from MC Lee. We always bring it back to the Big East somehow on all these shows. Got a huge Big East following in the chat. Uh, how many point guards would you take right now before Tyler Kolek? In the Big East? I'm assuming. I, is I that Big know. East specific point it's, guards? It, it, there is no specification. So you either say Big East or the country. I don't, I don't care. 
he's a great scoring point guard. So that's going to be hard to depends no, on what you want your that, point guard. He passes that thing though. I mean, he really sees it. The crazy thing is that George Mason, he didn't really pass it like that or he did. Yeah. He was more of like a off guard secondary ball handler. Shaka's turned him in. He's like opened up a whole new page up at Marquette. So, you know, that's kind of the, that that's kind of the thing there. Like I, I, I'm, tr I'm, I'm going through like Jared Bynum hasn't had the year that we thought he was going to have. Uh, the guys at um, St. John's haven't had the year we thought he was going to have. Uh, Sule Boom would be up there. If we're just talking Big East, I'm just going Big East. Sule Boom and Tyler Kolick are probably the two. Who, who, who's your favorite point guard in the uh, ACC, Tyler? Uh, man, I hate to put everything back to Carolina. Um, that, That'd be for good reason, though. They're dudes. I, I mean, I, I like RJ, and the reason I, I say that is because I don't I don't really consider Caleb a, a point guard. I think RJ is more of a point guard, but I really like his improvement and the way he's come along. Uh, and I'm a big believer in him. I think I, I don't think we've seen the best of RJ yet. Have you seen the point guard that committed to Carolina, the Elliot Cadeau? Uh, I don't keep up with much uh, of. You know, no, you're going to love this. I almost kid. said recruits, but I've just been taking some hits in the social media department for <laughs> don't talk to that. recruits. Yeah. <laughs> I don't keep that up. I don't nowhere. know who we got coming in or what, but yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep it in the ACC with this next question. You're just catching strays, man. <laughs> man, I, I was trying to be nice to everybody that came in contact over the week just to let everybody know I'm a good person. <laughs> it was just out of nowhere like Tyler minding his own business wild there times go. there you go we'll keep it in the ACC with this next question Jeff Reynolds wants to know who wins the regular season title in the ACC for me I think it's Clemson and I looked at their schedule I think they have a favorable schedule as well they do uh, so that plays a factor and I think that they've got off to a really good start and um you know, I, I think Miami has been a, somewhat of a little bit of a, a disappointment. They've lost some some games, too. I think it was NC State at State. But uh, I thought Miami would be, a, you know, a, a much consistent team is what I'm trying to say. But, yeah, I think Clemson's going to take the ACC regular season. Oh, I, well, let me say this. If that were to happen, you, you guys wouldn't be able to get a hold of me. Like it, I'm, I'm out of here. Like <laughs> you guys wouldn't. I'm not talking to anybody. Uh, I, I'm for the sake of the argument. Clemson, their schedule is favorable. All that stuff. Uh, Virginia is just quietly doing Virginia stuff. They're just quietly being Virginia. Seven and two in league. Fifteen and three overall. They've got multiple guys that can create a basket. Uh, Reese Beekman, I, I think, is one of the most underrated players in college basketball. I, I think he's really good. He really defends. He can get where he wants. I almost thought it held him back whenever Kihei Clark decided to come back for his ninth season of college basketball. Like, that was the big thing. Like, I, I think Reese Beekman's really, really talented. And the ball is out of his hands a little bit as a result of um, Kihei Clark coming back. So, at him, Jaden Gardner, I think Ben Vander, Van, um, Vanderplass, Vanderplass, I think he was a good addition. Uh, they have guys and they have multiple weapons and their defense is always going to be good. So I think Virginia and the consistency in their approach is going to be good. And hey, T, North Carolina seven and three. 
there's 10, there's 10 games to go. They're still hanging around and they're starting to find a rhythm a little bit. As soon as I say North Carolina, they're just going to go on a big losing streak. So I can't, I can't jinx them, but <laughs> I do believe that they could, but I don't think that the the schedule is as favorable as Clemson. I, I looked at that and I was like, yeah, Clemson probably going to win it. Hey, Tyler, on that note, what's the hardest ACC arena to play at? For me, um, Tio, did you ever play at Maryland? I know it's not the yeah. ACC anymore. That was a really tough place. Florida State was very difficult. Uh, Florida State was difficult because, like, you would go – well, you guys would sell out, but we would go and there wouldn't be anybody there. <laughs> we had the opposite experience. Be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we would go and there wouldn't be anybody there. Like it was almost an advantage for them because nobody would be there. So you'd had to generate your own energy. Maryland was great. Uh, I loved going to Maryland because they were just mean and they just, they were a little bit of a curveball. I, I talked to somebody at a local radio station, how I missed Maryland because they were kind of a curveball, but now we got Louisville. So it's all the same. Um, I disagree. I think Maryland, I think the Maryland fans, I think they start drinking uh crack of dawn just all the way through and they just <laughs> they're just ready for they will say anything yeah maryland was tough i only played there once and i hit the game winner and i'm still talking shit to everybody <laughs> it was 15 years ago scott van pelt took a picture with me afterwards i still don't know where that picture is i can't find it can't find was that, it. he deleted it from google i don't know how he did it but he did it was that grievous vasquez team was yeah. that against it yeah man that guy talks so much shit he was great he I played awesome. with him in Toronto. He was amazing. He was a, it, 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 just slow, long steps, mm -hmm. weirdly crafty. Like, he was a good player, man. They had James Gist, too. Yeah, I remember he was, Gist. He was good. He got drafted second round by the Spurs and, and ended up in Italy his first year and then came back for a year or two. They were talented. They were always talented. Maryland should always be talented. You got the whole DMV. Every kid in the DMV wants to go to Maryland at some point in their life. Like you have a head start. I grew up in the DMV and I didn't want to go to Maryland. Yeah, but you could, you could, that's because you could get into Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, depends on the day. Um, uh, that being said, I will say the Comcast Center, whatever it's called now, Xfinity Center now, um, steepest steps you've ever seen. I know. In, in it's an a arena. Wall. They're so steep. It's like, yeah. Like, how do hey, kids not fall out of the stands? Hey, underrated venue T, Blacksburg. Yeah, you're right. You're right on that. But also, I don't know. You didn't play in the old Virginia uh, arena, did you? Like the bowl? The, the, my freshman year was the first year of John Paul Jones. I thought, all right, yeah. So the old arena, Virginia, was difficult. The newer one, it was a little more catered to, I don't know. It's it's not really college to me. I'm with you. Hey, you know what? Uh, this, this will show our age. But, like, I remember John Paul Jones, we got in there, and they were playing PlayStation 2 on the on the jumbotron like the college game and yeah. like they were beating virginia was beating clemson on the college 2k8 game or 2k9 game like 120 to 4 <laughs> or something like it, it was like next level things we'd never seen before that's a yeah. weird point i just made but it was still I, cool. I can't so stand that how what was the what was the most like frequent chant you would get would you get a lot of overrated chants or what what would you deal with whenever you guys were at maryland or whatnot Oh man, Maryland was ruthless. Uh, we did get, we actually lost to Maryland a lot, uh, believe it or not. Uh, Grievous, I mean, for some reason, he had like a triple double. He was always after us. And there was like a crazy story that wasn't true. My roommate in college, uh, 
Bobby Frazier. Apparently there was a rumor in Maryland that he went out and just got sauced the night before the game. And the word got back to Grievous and Grievous was like, Oh, they don't take us serious. You know how he is. Started, yeah. you know, doing his Ball little head thing, and yeah. then like head bob and then like running across our oh, you guys gonna go out, disrespect us, and I <laughs> and he came out. It the story first of all, the story wasn't true, and uh, but he lit our ass up, and it just seemed like the Maryland overrated was like just a classic chant that you always hear whenever you 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 get down and you're about to lose. Yeah, that was up there, but uh there was a lot of inappropriate stuff too. Which there, it was mind. a lot more. It was a lot more in-person and appropriate stuff then. I don't think it's – I think there's less in-person now. It's just all on Twitter because you got yeah. Twitter fingers going crazy. Uh, I w- You got it much worse than I ever did. But people hated me too, like hated me. And I think a lot of it lo- was because I looked like I could have been over there in the student section too because, I mean, I'm like 6'2", and, you know, I was a buck 85 at that point. Like I could have been in student section. But, like, they uh, – when we played Duke – they knew I, I had an interview before and I was like, it's just noise. It's not a big deal. <laughs> and they, they knew both my parents' name, who we lost to in the state tournament, my girlfriend, my then girlfriend, my high school girlfriend, both my parents' names told, told me my parents didn't love me and they were disappointed in me. And like, it was so well thought out and so well studied. It got to a point. I was like, Hey guys, touche. Well done. And this was before social media existed. Exactly. They they brought out these sheets. And the funny thing was, was there was a girl in the front row with her face painted Duke. She went to Duke. We went to middle school together. So she knew all she gave everybody. It's your own people. It's your own people that get you. Oh, Oh my goodness. Well, I ask about the overrated chant. Word on the street, Tyler, is that you're a very overrated pickleball player. Do you have anything to say to that? I, I would I would challenge. Do you guys play pickleball? I would challenge, I would challenge both of you guys, uh, overrated. It depends if you're a professional pickleball player, then maybe, uh, I would be overrated, but I, I would contest anybody that's an amateur. I, I guarantee you that, but so you're, uh, you're an elite amateur. Like you're, you're, you're getting close to pro. I wish, man, there's a lot more to pickleball than you think. Once you start getting after it, it's a, it is a true <laughs> finesse sport, but me and my brother played in a tournament last weekend, for like the three fives, we got to a championship game, and I don't know if you you know about the dink and pickleball. Yeah, yeah. I played so pickleball. Yeah, they dinked us to death, and it just drove me crazy. So I've been working on nothing but my dinks lately. You've been working on your dinks nonstop. How? When did you get into pickleball? Uh, I've been playing about a year. Yeah, I, as soon as I've always loved ping pong, and so it was like a natural transition, and so I just I just loved it. Dude, I remember these stories. You guys used to hit ping pong balls at you if you lost. Like you had to take your shirt off and take ping pong. Texas balls style ping pong. Yeah. The you Texas lose two, ping pong. Texas style ping pong. You lose two uh two points in a row. You gotta lift your shirt shirt over your head and <laughs> the other person gets to hit you with the ping pong ball as hard as they can. They get one shot and you can't flinch, you can't move. And if you do, then it's a redo. So you oh, so you get <laughs> you get a redo. I can imagine the argument. If you flinch. Yeah. Yeah. I could imagine the arguments there. I mean, we're learning all sorts of new information about what goes on behind the scenes. Diggin, do you have anything else for us? Yes, I have one more and then we'll move into our toasts. Um, Jack wanted to know what is one team that's kind of not on anybody's radar, but you like a lot going into the end of the as we, we wind the season down here. 
Clemson for me, I think they're going to win the ACC. No one's really talking about them, like we said. Uh, their schedule is favorable. They could get a, a decent seed in the tournament, and uh, no telling what can happen there. Um, he said ACC, so I, I have ACC pulled up. I, I think NC State. I think NC State's a tournament team, uh, especially if Traquavia Smith is healthy again. Uh, got a win tonight over a Notre Dame team. Scared them a little bit. Scared them a little bit. But uh, they still got the win. I, I feel like that team fits uh, what Coach Keats likes to do. And I, I, whenever they sign DJ Burns, the big transfer from Winthrop, who is a walking refrigerator with ballet shoes. Like, he's got great feet. He's huge. And he gives them an option when things stall at the guard spot. To, to get the ball down low. He's nimble He's nimble around the rim. He can make some shots. They're versatile in how they can score. And uh, I, I think they're a tournament team. 16 and 5, 44th in Ken Palm. Like, it's a team that, because guard play, and I'm picking them the same reason I picked Miami to the Elite Eight last year. Uh, when you have guards that can score, that means you have guards that can get hot in the tournament in a one-game sample. And if those guys go on the three-game hot streak, like, at the right time, you're, you're in the Sweet 16 or you're, you're in the Elite Eight. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but I do think it's a team that deserves some kind of attention. And hey, just to say something, I think DJ Burns might be their best player. And people are going to say I'm crazy, but I saw him play. He goes to his left every time, but he's also their best passer. Uh, I mean, w- when you double him, he finds the right person to pass to. I-, I like his game. They call him Whiskey Barrel, but yeah, he. I think he's their best player. They call him Whiskey Barrel? That's what I heard. That's his nickname, Whiskey Barrel. I'm not mad at that. Uh, I'm going to throw in um, a non-Power 5 conference. I'm going to go 8-10, and I'm going to say a team y'all should be on the lookout for is St. Louis. Kinda I'm not mad at that. Their stride. Oh, wow. Yuri Collins, one of the best point guards in the country. He's fun to watch. He's creative in space. Um, it's a team that that could get to the tournament and, and make a run that maybe not might be on your radar right now. Yuri is leading the country in assist. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, listen, it, he's – He's good, and I didn't. I saw him in person last week. He's built, like he's got great body control. He controls the pace of play well. I, he's fun to watch. I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, ha- I have one of their games a little bit later this year. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see him in person as well. Good team. Uh, before cool. we wrap up, gentlemen, toast of the night. We go around and just give a little love to to one thing that stuck out to us today in college basketball. Is there anything else that we're supposed to toast to tonight? Is there anything else? That we're, and, and we'll I brought give you the, the honors to you. And I brought this Atlantis because this is where I saw Patrick Ewing. I, that's where I saw him. And that's where we have a bond. That's over, why. A bond over Ben Gay. A bond over Ben Gay with Patrick Ewing. Congratulations, Georgetown, to your win. First Big East win since they won the Big East a couple of years ago and shocked everybody. Cheers to Georgetown. That's an easy one. Georgetown. Water's been in there too long. Yeah. Well, has it hasn't been in there since you rubbed Ben Gay on Patrick Ewing's knees? That hadn't been that long. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. That's going to do it for us here on Field of 68 After Dark. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next time right here on Sirius XM 80. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.